The following is a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you find this teaching encouraging and instructive. Perhaps you are currently a follower of Christ or are perplexed, skeptical, or even antagonistic to Christianity. Regardless, we would love to hear from you. Please contact us at info at citylifetc.org. Thank you for listening, and please contact us if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you. Corinthians 13, verses 1 through the beginning of 8, which we'll pick up at 1231 again. I will show you still, I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let me pray for our time in the word together. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for your life in human flesh, beginning its conception and continuing forever. Particularly, thank you for your earthly ministry to us, as we just heard again, culminating in that suffering and death uh, on the cross. Um, Thank you for uh, the hope of resurrection and all things made new. Spirit, thank you for your presence in the world um, and your power to work the purposes of our triune God out and to bring the word to bear on our lives as we have this inspired uh, instruction and testimony for who you are and what you're doing in the world. So as we turn our attention now, Don't let it be in vain, but Holy Spirit, you do the work that only you can do um, in us and through us during this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In the 2009 NFC Championship game, the score was tied in the fourth quarter late, and the Brett Favre-led Minnesota Vikings were driving for what would have been, could have been, the game-winning field goal, and a trip to the Super Bowl. But then, well, I'll spare you all living through the details again. A late interception by Mr. Favre sent the game into overtime, and shortly thereafter in overtime, the Saints won the game and went on to the Super Bowl. But what I will never forget about that game and how that things transpired is that as that Saints field goal went through the uprights and the game ended and defeat was finalized, a loud and miserable wailing erupted in my basement. And it was coming from my children. My children who at the time were somewhere all all under 10 uh, years of age. And it startled me because the reaction that came from them seemed so over the top. I remember thinking to myself, 
did they not know something like this was going to happen? But then it hit me, for my kids, only a year, a little bit over a year into life in Minnesota, this was new territory. And so in the face of their wailing, I said to them something like this, whoa, no, 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 please stop. There is no need for such a reaction. This is what it is like to love the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I'm sorry that I've introduced you to it, but this is your lot from now on. You are going to suffer and have to press on through ups and hard downs and twists and turns of great emotional challenge as people committed to these Minnesota Vikings. I think you know where I'm going with this. This is what it is like to love, period. Because we love for now in a broken and fallen world that is full of broken and sinful people. And so you, my friends, are going to suffer and have to press on through ups and downs and twists and turns as people called and committed to not love the Minnesota Vikings, but called and committed to love. That's the challenge of verse 7 that we need to see this morning. It's a, it's a beautiful verse. It's poetic. It's this rhythmic, staccato, crescendo, building on what was finished in verse 6, that what love finds joy in, not in wrong, but with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And then Paul goes on, and he has this great verse of staccato, crescendo, rhythmic, building. And there are two key foci of the commands, or of the grammar, sorry, in this verse 7. The first is, again, these verbs that are here are present, active, indicative verbs. That means that what Paul is calling for is not a once-and-done thing, but ongoing action all the time. This is what love does all the time. That's not new in this verse. That's true in the whole passage, but it needs to be emphasized again, especially in light of the verbs that he uses here. Present, ongoing, all the time, action, bear, believe, hope, endure. This is what is ongoing for one who loves. Doesn't stop. Present, active, indicative. Love does these things. But actually in verse 7, the verbs take a little bit of a back seat. The way that Paul writes it here emphasizes not the verbs as much, but this phrase that the ESV does a good job of repeating, except it puts it at the end of each phrase, and the Greek puts it at the beginning of each phrase to emphasize it. It's put front and center in each phrase, and it's used in each phrase to make sure that we hear what he is saying here. All things is the main emphasis of verse 7. It's in the emphatic place, repeated four times. And so if you read it in the Greek, it goes like this. All things love bears. All things love believes. All things love hopes. All things love endures. So the big idea in this section is that love behaves in certain ways, come what may. Love does what it does ongoingly no matter what is thrown at it love is not determined by circumstances but love loves in any and every circumstance all things all things all things all things that's the big idea well with that in mind what 
What are the specifics? How does that get worked out? What is love? What does it do in any and every circumstance? And so these four verbs, I think we summarized under two phrases. Um, First of all, love in all things maintains a certain posture. I'm going to take the first phrase and the last phrase of verse 7, tie them together under this idea of maintaining a certain posture. So the first phrase is love bears all things. And the verb here is related to the noun for roof, interestingly enough. Like, you know, roof over a building, roof over a house. And so you could say all things love roof. Helpful, isn't it? Okay, that that doesn't work very well because we don't have a verb for that. But think about it. The image is helpful. When I love you, not eros, not romantic love, but agape, when I love you, like a roof, I will receive and persevere through whatever troubles I face in loving you. From you, from circumstances, I will, like a roof, persevere through those to press on in that love. Like a roof, I don't let anything get to love and change it. I bear whatever comes, holding up under it, and keep on loving. Love roofs all things. It, it puts up a protection against all things as it continues uh, t- to love. And at the end of this fourfold fra- phrase, phrasing, there's another similar thing that Paul says. Love bears all things. It also endures all things. This verb could literally be translated hyper-remain. Uh, so like extremely remain. Super staying power is what he's talking about here. Love, super staying powers, all things. I'm not going anywhere. That's what love says. I'm not going anywhere. Love doesn't say enough is enough and then excuse unloving behavior on its own part. It bears all things and remains love, doing what love does. Love doesn't let weakness or brokenness or sin on the part of another Let it off the hook to love and care for the other. That doesn't mean that love won't change tactics or uh, change approach according to wisdom and wise care for somebody else, but it does mean that love won't become something else. Love won't take a different posture to the other. Love remains love. It bears up and endures and continues to love. Some of you remember Jeremy who was... uh, one of our m- music leaders back in the early days of City Life, uh, Jeremy suffered a couple of different very traumatic um, cancers and, and sicknesses. Um, and and uh, he was with us uh, between those. One of, one of them ended up taking his life um, as he was in our midst. And some of you remember that time. But I remember meeting oftentimes with Jeremy. And, um, and he talked about this, this thing called compassion fatigue. He talked about as somebody who suffered, as somebody who had a lot of hard things in his life, He talked about how he could see from people in his life just how hard it was to continue to love him. Uh, This thing called compassion fatigue, where over time it just it just gets it it gets laborious to continue with somebody being in this place of need. And he hated that. He hated putting that putting people in that situation. And yet it wasn't his fault. And I think that's an example of love bearing all things and enduring all things. You know, we don't get by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't get compassion fatigue. We don't use it as an excuse to change how we treat another person. Another example I, I heard this, this last week about another way to think about this, maintaining the certain posture of bearing and enduring, I got a, an email from a friend um, 
who, um, uh, <coughs> whose, whose uh, daughter I, I knew, whose daughter attended this church for a little while, uh, I don't even know how long ago it was now, and, and uh, when she was attending here, she was um, not a believer um, and wrestling with her faith, and we met and we talked often, uh, struggled with these things, and uh, I tried to share the gospel with her and answer some of her questions apologetically and all this kind of stuff. And we met over a year, and then she gradually drifted away, and now I found out she lives um, uh, she lives in Texas now. Anyway, I got a note from her dad. Um, he's a friend uh, through Presbytery stuff. And um, he, t- he talked about um, continuing to uh, believe and hope that um, – God would bear fruit in this daughter's life. Um, apparently, she's still not embracing the Lord. Um, he was thankful for my involvement with her life. And just this, this uh, demeanor, this posture of enduring love for her um, was a beautiful thing for me to hear. Love doesn't change its posture based on what the other person is doing or isn't doing or the circumstances have come. Love bears all things and love endures all things. And this, this man also is a good example of transitioning to the second thing that I think this passage is calling us to, that love maintains a certain mindset, not just a certain posture of bearing and enduring, but a certain mindset that Paul talks about in two, these other two phrases, that love believes all things. Now, what does this mean? Because it's easy to take this as kind of a, an incredulity in love, but it's not to say that love is gullible and naive or that it will believe a person it loves no matter what crazy thing he or she says or that it erases all realities of truth or true religion. As, as sometimes, this is a popular cultural thing, love doesn't judge. Love, you know, just eliminates all truth. It's just whatever, whatever works for you is true. That's not what Paul means here. The best way to understand the all things here uh, is that love believes through all things or in the midst of all things. You have to, you have to insert a little bit of a preposition here. Uh, just to make this one work. And this is not the only place you do this in 1 Corinthians. There's a, another place where Paul talks about um, the, the, the um, athlete who self-controls, exercises self-control, and the same word is used there, all things. And he wouldn't say you, exer- you exercise self-control all things. You exercise self-control in or through all things. So almost an adverbial sense of how this phrase is used. So for poetic purposes, Paul says it in exactly the same way in verse 7, but in contextual ways we can understand he's not saying it believes all things without thoughtfulness, but rather in all things, through all things, in all circumstances, love believes, love perseveres in faith. Love holds true to what is true about God and about the gospel and acts and counsels and encourages and exhorts out of that reality all the time. Sometimes we say to one another, sometimes you, maybe you've heard people say, you know, I'll believe for you right now. You're in a tough place, you're struggling, you're having a hard time believing, I'll believe for you right now. And that, that's right. That's the right idea. You're having a rough go, you're challenged to hang on to the goodness of God. I will believe in the goodness of God, the reliability of God for you in the midst of the challenges you're facing. And I will continue to talk to you about that and treat you according to those realities. So love, no matter what comes, love believes, it holds out faith in God, and it applies and exercises that faith. Love will point another to the goodness of God made known in the gospel in all circumstances. Love will continue to find its strength and way according to the gospel in all things. 
right? So if, if it's hard to love, if compassion fatigue, whatever it is, I believe, I find my identity in Jesus, not in results, not in the faithfulness of others, not in your treatment of me, but I believe through it all so I can love, so I can treat you in a way that's consistent with who God is and what the gospel is. So, so love believes all things and love hopes all things. This is related to that and has a similar way to take all things. Love doesn't hope in goofy, impossible, crazy stuff. This is not the um, foundation of the next romantic comedy of, you know, hope floats or what, you know, whatever it is, you know, that we just are going to hope and everything's going to be fine. Love doesn't engage in unreal fantasies for the sake of blind love. It's not a Pollyanna-ish, blinders on, ears covered, don't distract me with the facts, uh, uh, blind belief that all is good and all will be perfect soon. No, it's not that at all. Rather, through whatever circumstances, love holds out the hope for what can be because of God. For what God can do as he works out his purposes of redemption in the world. In all things, love hopes because of the gospel and because of who God is. And specifically, love hopes in God's purposes in and through all circumstances and to the end of time. So love, no matter how tough, no matter how opaque it is to see what's going on, love hopes because God's at work. When I used to work for RUF, we had this philosophy of ministry that was very spelled out that drives us. And one of, the, one of the underpinnings, one of the presuppositions is simply to say God is at work. God is at work. We do what we do because God is at work. Even when we can't see, even when we don't know how he's at work, God is at work. Therefore, we press on and we have hope because his work in and through all things matters and it is ultimately for good. We don't always see it in real time. The, the fact of the psalms, the subject matter of the psalms should help us know that there are going to be times when things are confusing and unclear to us. The psalms say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? God doesn't forget. But the psalms give us that language because sometimes it seems like it. Sometimes it feels like God has forgotten us. And yet, hope in God is always right because he is always working. And he is going to bring about all things made new. So even when you disappoint me or I disappoint you, I can handle it, you can handle it, and we can still love because hope is not in you. Hope is not in me. Hope is not in your perfection. Hope is not in my perfection, but in God and what he is doing and what he will do. And again, it doesn't mean we don't learn from things. It doesn't mean we keep beating our heads against the wall, don't change what needs to change uh, as we live and grow together, but we deal with the hard and the messy stuff with measured expectations and measured disappointment towards one another because that's not our hope. Right? Did you hear that? Measured expectations and measured disappointments with one another, towards one another, because that's not our hope. Our hope is in God. So we can continue to love. Love hopes in all things because the hope is in God. And so I can treat you, I can persevere, I can endure because of where the hope is. So again, the big idea, in all circumstances, love loves. It does what love does. 
It maintains a posture of bearing trouble like a roof, remaining as love, not changing to something else, hyper-remaining. And it maintains a mindset, believing God, hoping for good because God is at work. And this is impossible. This verse, and the whole list, the whole chapter, but this verse, you just read it and you think, this is impossible. It's impossible for me to bear all things, to believe through all things, to hope through all things, to endure all things, continuing to love. This is impossible. So two, two things, two, that's true. We don't do this perfectly all the time. So two things to remember. One, what we talked about last week, what came right before this is how love deals with being wronged. That we're going to wrong each other. We're not going to get it perfectly. So we have to understand that part of it as well. But also, going again to this is how we're loved by Jesus. Jesus is the personification of love. He is love incarnate. He loves us this way. And that's our hope that he can help us move towards this kind of love. And so that brings us again to our second point. Um, remembering again, seeing again, beholding the all, in all circumstances love of Jesus for us. So we heard about it in what Brian read from Mark chapter 15. We heard again about what Jesus went through for us leading up to and including the cross. I'm not going to read it to you again, um, but, but I think we don't often spend enough time reflecting on the persevering love of Jesus for us and what he bore with us in mind. And so we read again in that Mark passage about it, there's a verse that just passes very, very silently that Pilate had him scourged, right? And he just kind of moves on. But we, we don't often, I don't, I don't want, me want to be graphic just for the sake of graphic, but to understand what that means. That was a, that was a torture in that day and age that was horrible. It was a whip with all sorts of uh, straps on the end of it that had something bone or sharp tied into the end of those and that would be you know lashed onto the back of somebody tied up bent over so that there's tautness to the the skin even and every time it hit when it came back out it would rip at the back and you know the general punishment was 40 lashes which they thought was the most that one could endure without it killing one so they would do 39 just in case they accidentally miscounted and didn't do 41. That's how awful this treatment was. And it just, the text just says he was scourged. And that would have been awful, but then he was taken in by the soldiers, right? And they, there in the soldiers, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was put a crown on, but a mocking crown and w with thorns so that when it was pushed down, it would cut into him. And then it, he was hit with the scepter in order to drive that in. And, and he was false homage was paid to him by uh, those, those soldiers, um, and he was spit on. I still remember when I was a kid, I was at, I used to go to basketball camp at Bethel, um, where my mom worked, and uh, the, the pastor there every year was John Priestley, that had a great influence on me when I was a kid, and I still remember him talking about this, and reading through that passage, and talking about Jesus doing that for us, and <laughs> he said, um, I don't think it's in the Mark account. Maybe it's in the Matthew account. But it says that the soldiers spit on him. 
And I remember him looking up and just looking at us being like, they spit on us. You know, like, they spit on our Savior. And just the indignity of that, just the, the personal offense of being spit on right in one's face, that our Lord and Savior endured that for us in his love for us. And then we get out, out of there, and he so weakened he can't carry the cross, and he carries it for us. They take him there, they put him up, and then he's mocked again. He's mocked by passersby. He's mocked by those that are on the cross with him. Like, you, you, you can save yourself. You saved others. You can't even save yourself. And he could have, right? And that's the thing. He could have. But he didn't because he was saving us instead. So we, we can't look away from the bearing all things, enduring all things, love of our Savior for us. This is how we've been loved. This is what is ours in Jesus Christ. And he not only endured that physical suffering, but he faced that ultimate rejection, God forsaking him for our sins. And even in that, he still looked to God. He still persevered in faith and hope. Changes from father to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's calling out to him. He's persevering in that faith and hope. And it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He gives himself up in death willingly to the Father. Is what we, what we hear. L- listen to how Peter the Apostle Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2. Verses 20 to 23. Peter says, For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. In other words, when you persevere in love and suffer for it, and endure. Like if, if you in all things continue to love, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Verse 21, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Right? So when we love and suffer for it, but keep on going, this is a precious thing in God's sight because it is walking in the example of Jesus' love for us. And how did he do it? Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Here's here's the example of our Savior that his love for us persevered, it bared up, it endured because he continued entrusting himself to God. He continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He believed God's plan and he hoped in what God would do. That's the kind of love he had for us. That's the kind of love that he then can enable us to have too. So first of all, brothers and sisters, uh, if you don't know this love of God for you in Christ, uh, know it. Understand, yes, you are a person who has rebelled against God, who is uh, a sinner, justly, as we say in our vows of membership, justly deserving God's displeasure and wrath. In order to save you from his own wrath, he took it upon himself. If you don't know this love, uh, that it can be yours in Jesus, hear that. Hear that he endured this suffering so that people could be forgiven and be brought to him. And, and, and receive that. And those of you who've heard it a hundred times, a thousand times, how many times, hear it again and rest in it. Rest in that unchanging love of God for you. Even when it seems dark and bleak, and it will, he doesn't change. Again, my one, two of my go-to verses. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? Romans 8, 31. 
verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? It's, it can be dark. It can be opaque. We cannot know what's going on, but we know the love that's ours there, the, the bearing up, the enduring, the trusting, the hoping love for us in Jesus. That doesn't change to rest in that love. That shapes our hearts to want to love others that way. How? Because it frees us from being driven by circumstances, particularly depending on others for our well-being or for our self-image or for our security. I can be vulnerable with you because I'm so loved by him, the one who matters ultimately and eternally. It also frees us up to not doubt in circumstances. We don't have to be driven by circumstances. We don't have to also don't have to doubt in circumstances. His love is with us even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Psalm 23, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's, a, that's what it'll feel like sometimes. He's with us. His rod and staff, they comfort us because he's our savior, he's our shepherd, and he loves us. So behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. Behold the kind of love that Jesus displayed and lived out when he went to the cross for us. Let that love change us. Let that love be the love that enables us to love through all circumstances. That's our third point. Strive to love in this way. What's the application for us? Well, the big idea is just always love, come what may. When the question is, do I have to love here and now in these circumstances? The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. By the grace of the Holy Spirit empowering us, helping us to do so, yes. But the answer is yes. And this is hard for us because on the negative side, we want an out. We want to be off the hook at times because it's difficult sometimes to love as it's described here. Surely when we're stressed or hungry or sad or the other person is being a jerk, surely then we don't have to love, right? We get a pass, right? Nope. Nope. Remember, agape love is not about desert or deserving in the other. And it's not about a feeling that I have. It's about the action. Love does. Love's verbs. And the crazy, amazing thing is that when love is done, even when we don't feel it, oftentimes as we persevere in it over time, we begin to feel it more and more. As we give ourselves to love, it gives affection to us. It's the way that God works, the way that he designed it. It's kind of amazing like that. So love isn't determined by the circumstances. Don't look for excuses not to love. There aren't any. On the positive side, though, hear this positively. Um, what's the application? Always love, come what may. Here's the positive side of this. We don't have to be particularly wise and discerning with our application of love. It's not hard. Should I love? Yes. Should I love in this situation? Yes, you should. It's the way of our Savior, and so it's our way. And on the positive side, hear this as well. In the Christian community, we don't have to deserve it to be loved by others. So, so hear this command, hear this application from the receiving side and hear the beauty of it because sometimes that helps us to be able to be on the giving side a little bit better when we hear the beauty of it. We don't have to deserve it to be loved by others. Here, in the community that lives out the reality of the gospel and the community that embodies Jesus, here is the place we can expect to be loved even when we haven't lived up to deserving it. So again, remember a little bit of last week. How does love handle 
being wronged. We need that in mind because we're going to fail each other. We're not going to do this perfectly. And if everyone is waiting for the other to get it right before we do it right, we're in big trouble. But if everyone is acting the way love does when wronged, eschewing being provoked, not taking into account the wrong and how we treat the other, not rejoicing at the sin of others, but rejoicing when Jesus is obeyed, when forgiveness is experienced, when his grace is known, and persevering in love no matter what the circumstances, almost bending over backwards to be as loving as possible. If everybody's doing that, instead of waiting for the other to go first, that's a happy standoff. How can we outdo one another in love rather than waiting for the other to get it right before we love them? This is the kind of community we get to build as we would never find an excuse to not love. Believe that God can and will do amazing things through your love for each other. A love that bears all and endures through all, believes through all, hopes through all. Why? Because that's who he is and how he's loved us. When, um, when Eli was younger, and I asked him if I could tell, tell this, um, he said they've heard it before, so that's fine, Dad. I think I have mentioned this before. But when Eli was younger, uh, one of my favorite things about him is that, you know, he'd be around the kitchen or whatever, and uh, Carrie and I, for whatever reason, would hug each other, um, which, which, you know, we do. It's good. It's a good thing to do. For whatever reason, we, we'd hug each other, and Eli would see it. No matter what he was doing, he would see it, and he would stop whatever he was doing, and he would toddle over, and he would, like, get in on it. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Oh, that's so great. It's one of my, you know, favorite things. He still does it. No, a little bit less. But he would come up and he would join in. When he would see love, he would want to be part of it. So there are two applications of that for us, the church. One is, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to, to see how Jesus loves us and so join in. Right, continue to behold that manner of love that God has given to us. He's lavished on us, as the NIV translates. Continue to see it, and therefore want to be part of it. Join in, right? That's, that's part of it. The second application is that we together, okay, first, see it in Jesus, so we join in. The second is love like that as a community. Love like that as a community so others who see us see it and want to join in. Right? See it in Jesus so that we want to join in. Live it out together so that others see it in us and want to join in. Because in all things, love loves. All things, all things, all things, all things, love loves. Let me pray for us that that would be the case. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you set your affection on us from before the foundation of the world. And you persevered to bring about your purposes for us in that love. Thank you for that. May that soak deep into our souls and out into our lives. And would you make us people that default in love, that in all things, through all things, we act out love because of how we've been loved. Help us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.
This has been a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you were encouraged by this teaching. Thank you for listening, and please contact us at info at citylifetc.org if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you.